Our first message this afternoon is from Mr. Mark McGarvey. It is entitled, Beyond the Resurrection. Good afternoon, everyone. Yeah, I've been telling everyone the last couple of days, this is very British-style weather out there. Dull and overcast this time of year. Very common over there. I don't like it, though. <laughs> Lived there for 28 years. Doesn't mean I have to like it. So yesterday, we observed the last day of unleavened bread. Uh, that completed the, the past eight days, if you include the evening of Passover, the night too much observed. Um, the first day of unleavened bread and the last day yesterday um, we looked at that last Passover that Jesus shared with his disciples and how he brought a new meaning to it all um, and then we looked at the symbolism of putting away leavening or sin and how that at this time of year as we reflect and examine ourselves getting rid of that leaven getting rid of that sin is an ongoing process we looked at how Jesus died, was in the grave three days and three nights, and was then brought back to life, was resurrected. But what I want to talk about today is what happened after Jesus was resurrected. What does that mean? As we look at the events beyond the resurrection, what do they, what do they tell us? What does it mean for us today? So... I'm going to start this in the book of John. Most of my scriptures will be in John today. John chapter 20, verses 1 through 18. John 20, verses 1 through 18. Verse, verse 1. Now the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early, while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciples, whom Jesus loved and said to them, They have taken away, my mistake, the other disciple, which is John, sorry. They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Peter therefore went out and the other disciple and would go into the tomb. So they both ran together, and the other disciple, being younger, outran Peter. <laughs> Doesn't put that there, but... And the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first. And he, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen cloths lying there, yet he did not go in. So John did not go in, he just looked in, saw the linen cloths lying there, and no body. Then Simon Peter came in, following him, and went into the tomb this time. And he saw the linen cloths lying there, and the handkerchief that had been around his head not lying with the linen cloths, but folded together in a place by itself. <clears throat> then the other disciple, who came to the tomb first, went in also, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not know the scripture, that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away again to their own homes. I'm sure they were mesmerized and maybe confused but Mary stood outside by the tomb, weeping. John and Peter had now gone. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet. Now, 
If I'd been standing there and saw two angels all of a sudden appear and two minutes ago they hadn't been there, I would be in complete amazement and, and awe. Just sitting there on, I guess, the, the stone where the body had been. One at each end of where the body had been. <clears throat> now, now when she had, uh, okay, so, find my place here, okay. Then she said, then they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Now when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, <clears throat> tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him, Rabboni, which is to say teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father, but go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father and to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things to her. So, an amazing story. But what happened? So, Jesus has been resurrected. He is alive and they can't believe. But they also don't know what to do. He told them that he would die and after three days rise again. He told them that. But now that it actually happened, it seems like they didn't know what to do. Then Jesus appears to the disciples with Thomas absent in verses 19 through 25. Christ appears to the disciples, Thomas not there. Uh, that very night, Sunday night, as it says there in, the, in verse 18 or 19, sorry. And then eight days later, <clears throat> he appears to them again with Thomas present this time, doubting Thomas, showing Thomas, showing him that the holes in his hands and the holes in his side. Both times, the doors are shut and he suddenly appears, Jesus suddenly appears. So, why were the doors shut? Well, the reason the doors were shut was because the whole hullabaloo that happened around Jesus dying and being executed had caused the Jewish authorities and the Romans to be on guard, to be wary of his followers and disciples, not sure what would happen next, thinking they were dangerous perhaps. So wherever they went, they met in secret. They closed the doors up, making sure nobody, everybody, everybody that was in the room or the house was accounted for. So these are dangerous times for the disciples and his followers. And these days, these early days, were a sign of things to come. They had to meet in secret. They had to have the door shut. And both occasions, Jesus suddenly appears right in the middle of them, in between them, and starts talking to them. <coughs> in the final chapter of John, John chapter 21, Christ appears to his disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. So let's go over there. John 21, verses 15 through 19. John 21, verses 15 through 19. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, 
Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to, he said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he had said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke, signifying by what death he would glorify God. When he had spoken this, he said to him, Follow me, he said to Peter. So Jesus here tells Peter that he will lead his followers from here. As it were, passing the mantle on to Peter. Peter will be the leader of the disciples. After denying Christ three times on that faithful night, during Jesus' trial before the Sanhedrin, Peter had come full circle back as a true friend of Jesus. And Jesus saw his leadership abilities. And I'm sure they'd been shining through ever since. You know, Peter, uh, Jesus had first called Peter. But now was the time. Now was the time for Jesus to tell Peter the situation. You are the leader. Go from here. So the question here, <clears throat> after these appearances by Jesus to his disciples, after his resurrection, is, is it possible that some of the disciples had doubted, you know, had misgivings um, when Christ died after being crucified? You know, how could they after being with him three and a half years? And all they had seen, all the miracles that had happened that Jesus had done, Many which aren't recorded, as John says at the end of the book of John. Many, many aren't recorded. You know, he'd brought people back to life. Lazarus, brought back from the dead, four days in the tomb, brought back to life. Now, how could anybody witness that, see that, and not believe? It's beyond me, or have doubts, or not sure here. You know, um, it, it seems crazy to me. How could you have second thoughts after seeing, you know, all they saw? But these sudden appearances and disappearances that we looked at, just him being there and alive again gave them hope. Would they have stayed together those 40 days if he hadn't have done this? So let's go back to the book of Luke. <coughs> and let's look at another interesting situation here. Luke 24, verses 13 through 32. Luke 24, verses 13 through 32. Now behold, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. So it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with him. But their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. And he said to them, what kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? Then the one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, 
Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem, and have you not known the things which happened in there in these last days? And he said to them, What things? So they said to him, The things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were going, but we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, Besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us. So we stepped back here a few days again from the time of Jesus' appearing to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. We've gone back to the same day. The same day here as after Christ had uh, risen. So, and when the women did not find his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels. Who said he was alive and certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said but him they did not see then he said to them "O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory and beginning at Moses and all the prophets he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself now I've walked seven miles before a few times, both in, in England and Ireland. It takes a while. Um, even walking at a fast pace, it took me... One time, me and my friend walked seven miles, about three hours. Um, but I imagine if you're talking and, and Christ is talking about the Scriptures and expounding, and it's really interesting, it would have taken a bit longer, I'm sure. And there may have been up and down, hills, dusty. So... <clears throat> So he expounded to them in the scriptures the things concerning himself. Verse 28. Then they drew near to the village where they were going, and he indicated that he would have gone farther. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to stay with them. Now it came to pass, as he sat at the table with them, that he took bread, blessed, and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished from their sight. And they said to one another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road, and while he opened the scriptures to us? That's the part which I, I like, that last verse, verse 32. Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road? I'm, I'm, I'm sure it did. It must have been unbelievable. And these words are relevant to us today, are they not? I have had that same thing. I'm sure a lot of you have had too. Where you can be studying something in the Bible, or when you were first called, you know, a desire for more. Uh, more knowledge, more about Jesus and his words. So, beyond his resurrection, Christ was setting his heart's followers on fire helping them to believe that he was the Son of God, the Messiah, and that, yes, he has died or had died, but now he was very much alive again. Another point we have to look at that happened after Christ's death and resurrection up to and including Pentecost was the Holy Spirit being imparted to them, to the disciples and, and the followers. So let's read this next scripture, which we read on Passover evening, back in John, 
John chapter 16, verses 5 through 11. John 16 and verses 5 through 11. John 16 and verse 5. But now I go away to him who sent me, and none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart... I will send it to you, and when it has come, it will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. Jesus said, I'm going to the Father, but this has to happen so everyone can get the Spirit. And that's why he said this part. This one thing has to happen for the other to happen, to, to take place. Part of his overall mission, which he had foreordained, foreordained with the Father, was just this. Many millions can receive the Holy Spirit and have done over the centuries. Many, many people have put on the mind of Christ, have been born again, cast off the old man, as it were, and start a new life believing in Jesus Christ as the one and only Savior of the world. He tells us that he had to go so the Spirit could be poured out to the world and to us. I think that's a fascinating way this translated for us. So Jesus conquered death, thereby making his sacrifice complete, where he can take the weight of the world on his shoulders, the sins of the world and ours too. He asks for little in return, doesn't he, compared to what he went through. He asks for little in return. When you consider the beating, the lashes of the whip, tearing his body apart, spilling pints of blood in those final hours as he was beaten and whipped by the Romans as a predecessor his, to his crucifixion, and the agonizing death of crucifixion, one of the most horrific forms of execution that anyone could go through. What does he want from us? Believe in him. Believe that he is the Son of God, the Messiah, and that he died for us and he is our Savior. That's what he wants from us in return. Believe in him. Believe all that he did. And here in John chapter 6, verses 47, 48, we see Jesus saying, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. He is our bread of life. He sustains us. By staying with the disciples and his followers after his resurrection for those 40 days, he kept their hope alive, and it would see them through to Pentecost where the Holy Spirit will be given to them and 3,000 others, as we know. On the day of Pentecost, 3,000 souls, as it says in the book of Acts, were uh, baptized. So, if we go beyond all the Gospels and go to the book of Revelation, we see Jesus instruct and prophesy for John. All the book of Revelation is prophecy about what will happen before Christ's second coming, 
and then after that, the millennium and the great white throne judgment and beyond. This is one of the great hopes that all Christians should have, that Jesus Christ is going to return. Yes, he finished his earthly mission when he died and was resurrected. But that was, to borrow the phrase from Winston Churchill, that was the end of the beginning of his overall mission. The bigger picture. You know, it's there, it's put out there in the book of Revelation for us. Setting up the kingdom, the kingdom of God, his government, eternity with him and God the Father, and us becoming part of the glorious God family. It's all there in the book of Revelation. It's spelled out for us, it's in detail, and we always look at that and examine that and go over it at the, the Feast of Tabernacles, the Feast of Trumpets, and so on. So, but I want to finish today with the Great Commission, what Christ told his disciples. And it speaks to us today what to do beyond the resurrection. So let's go to the book of Matthew. Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. The very last few scriptures here of the book of Matthew. <clears throat> and Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. This is what we have to do. Beyond the resurrection, preach the gospel. Preach the truth. Talk about Jesus Christ as the Savior of the world. That is our mission. That's what we have to do. We have to keep doing that. We are doing that. Let's continue to do that. He is always with us. He says right there. He will never leave us or forsake us. He is with us until the end of time. The end of the world. Let us be thankful.